0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chattock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Annette Cousin on understanding yourself through attachment theory.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm Karen Doyle Buckwalter, your host from here at Chaddock, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. We are going to be hearing from Annette Cusson, and she has authored a book called It's Attachment, and I'm going to give you some information about her background. She has a master's degree in social work, She's a registered marriage and family therapist and an advanced attachment focused therapist. She's worked in children's mental health for over 30 years as a therapist, supervisor, manager, and clinical director. She's also the owner of Lee Side Therapy therapy center, a multi-discipline clinic in Toronto. Uh, she, in addition to that, has a private practice, uh, which she has had for over 30 years using attachment-focused therapy for adults, couples, adolescents, and adoptive families. She has received um, advanced training on attachment-focused therapy and been part of a consultation group with Dr. Dr. Daniel Hughes. Uh, she's busy. Wow. She also provides training throughout Ontario at the Wilfrid Laurier Faculty of Social Work, University of Toronto Faculty of Social Work, the Kids Center for Community Health, and Mission Empowerment along with many other training organizations. So I'm really excited to have Annette here with us today and she's gonna be hopping on here in just a minute. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter from Chaddock, and I am here to continue my interview with Annette Kesson. Thank you for being back again with us, Annette. Oh,
2: it's my pleasure, Karen.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been so fun talking with you about your whole journey as a family therapist and a program director and um, all the ways that that you. twists and turns, I guess, in your journey of learning about attachment and your new book, It's Attachment, that was recently released. Um, As we were winding down last week, we were talking about the adult attachment interview. And um, you mentioned Mary Main's attachment classifications and that being a core piece of how you work with people. I think it might be important to talk about that a little bit because there are some other Similar classifications out there in, um, by Hazen and Shaver and in some of the couples literature that are slightly different. Yeah. Um, they have slightly different names and they are much more talking about your behavior in your current relationship and not looking as in the same way as the adult attachment interview, which is looking at your early childhood relationship with your parents. So I think that might be a good place for us to pick up And you just talking a bit about those classifications.
2: Yeah, so um, I find that Mary Main really, again, kind of speaks to me, and I find it also very helpful in terms of understanding uh, oneself and patterns in relationships. So I did use Mary Main's categories, and I think we have to certainly call them categories. Um, um, Although uh, Mary
1: likes us to call uh, state of mind with regard to attachment, which is is a very long... long
2: With regard to attachment, (laughs) Which is a very long... Yeah. to write. so yeah I, so, yeah so again <laughs> it's a question of how do we make these <laughs> categories meaningful to the lay public yes, right? so, yes. Um, so that's what you know that's what I really struggled with and of course you know do we use avoiding do we use dismissing do we use preoccupied Do we use you know um, the childhood attachment categories? so um, my first struggle was really how to actually use the terminology but I somewhat, Um, after struggling with this, decided that I would use Mary Main's adult attachment category. So again, um, dismissing um, preoccupied and unresolved, and of course earned security, which is, you know, the concept that it was just such a beautiful idea of how we move from an insecure attachment to sort of earning our uh, security, right? So... Um, So, and again, the challenge was, how do I explain these somewhat complex categories so that again, um, people, you know, that are not therapists or not professionals could really understand it, And that they would have to really understand these categories from looking at their patterns in relationships. Because even though we say this is really at an unconscious level, um, again, that is a complex uh, concept or way of understanding oneself. So... um, it was really this balance between how to make it, you know, simple enough without being too simplistic about it.
1: Isn't that just a maddening challenge? I mean, in in yeah. the last book that we just released, Raising the Challenging Child and Trying to Incorporate Research, I'm like I it is for a general parenting audience and i want it understandable and easy to grasp and you know real practical things but i don't want someone from the research community not that they're all running out and picking up the book and buying it but i wouldn't want a scientist to look at it and be like this is just so basic that it's not even, you know, acceptable to, to, to say it this way. So there's that constant struggle when you write a book like that, isn't there?
2: Well, that thanks for saying that, Karen, because <laughs> that's exactly what I was, I've been struggling with um, and, and sort of continue to struggle with because, you know, as I look at the book or reread it, I think, oh, man, that's too simplistic. And, and then at other times I read it and think, oh, I hope that's clear enough. So... Um, so I have tried to make it as clear enough as well, I think you, you
1: succeeded. I think you did oh. a very good job with that balance. Well,
2: thank you. So So I did take each category and really just help people. Um, look at themselves, look at their behaviors, and say, if if these, you know, seem to be patterns that sound familiar um, in your own life, then you would fit into this particular category, right? So, um, and I think, fortunately, again, as... um, we all have come to understand this better and it's certainly if i use it clinically um then i think that is what has helped me at least begin to really recognize patterns in relationships or, you know, um, how one perceives themselves and how they are in relationships. It really does, again, make sense from an attachment perspective. So you don't yes. only need the AAI. I mean, you can really, um, again, help people look at the way they are in relationships. So, so that is what this book teases out. It really, um, you know, looks at each of the categories, how that is going to present itself in relationships. And then, of course, the, the major input is how do you change it?
1: Yes. And so, Annette, why don't you share just a, a little bit about what you wrote about each classification?
2: Well, so then I do describe again that you know, dismissing are typically people who have real difficulty either being in touch with feelings, or if they are in touch with feelings, have great difficulty expressing feelings, particularly feelings of vulnerability, sadness. But we kind of call them negative affect how that term became, I don't know. But, um, but usually people that have a great deal of difficulty being in intimate relationships. Um, and I guess one could. say maybe the strengths of this category is that these are people who are generally successful you know that they could be uh, successful in their careers in their activities in in their sports and um, you know all these areas that you know may mean that they contribute a great deal to society Um, but they still have great difficulties and closeness and often these people will come to us in therapy um, because a partner, you know, kind of brings them in, saying he or she is just not emotionally available. Um, these are not people that very often would initiate their own kind of therapy, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, and you know, just to add a, a bit of nuance, it's not just suppression of negative affect. I know you'd agree. It, it's suppression of attachment related affect so closeness um tenderness um you know some of our coding in the ai talks about um This sort of cold, derogating anger, even uh, and and and, and even minimizing the loss of people, like I can't, you know, how could you cry like such a blubbering idiot at that funeral or something? So it's not just suppression of negative affect. I just want to point that out. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. And again, there is a range. I
2: mean, I had a client where I said, "How do you feel about this?" and he said to me, "You know." you sound like you're speaking a foreign language like he could not in any way you know express any feeling or even Mm -hmm. have the terminology for it. So, so, you know, again, we get a range of people who are, you know, at the extreme end of really being shut down and have great difficulty in close relationships, you know, being people that have, you know, uh, more capacity for it, but still have great difficulty expressing feelings.
1: And I do think it's important for us to point out that in the adult attachment interview, and we would view these as defensive strategies. These were survival skills for coming from a, a background where it made sense to suppress attachment-related needs based on the kind of caregiving you received. Yes. So I
2: do explain, you know, I have a chapter which says that, you know, you have come by Yes, develop this particular strategy because yes. of your early childhood experiences. Yes, I think that's very um, good. You know, so the book does talk about how mm-hmm children and adolescents kind of form this and then that it is a continuum that based on your childhood experiences and then your adolescent and early adult experiences, that is how you develop uh, adult attachment. Um, so um preoccupied adults are you know very different so these are usually pretty people that are pretty dependent kind of um see themselves in terms of relationships their whole sense of self is based on relationships you know are hypersensitive to people not being available um not being you know having attention paid to them in a consistent way and truly believe again that they have to sort of um really activate their feelings. They have to express these feelings in intense ways in order again to experience attachment, to get people drawn to them and and to find closeness. Um, I mean, it often drives people away, that kind of intensity, but um, they're Belief is that that was the way I got my mother to pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. So again, and this is what I think I try and stress in this book is this is a very non-judgmental way of understanding yes. yourself. Um, so you truly, if you understand how you came to be the way you you are, then you can really I think be much kinder to yourself, um, really be non-judgmental. And the other thing that I st- stress in this book is that you may be able to change some aspects of your adult attachment, but you may not be able to change other aspects. And again, if you own it, if you are kind about that you may have certain limitations or certain ways of being in relationships, um, you know, that again are not the best ways to be or compromised, I think it is a much um, kinder way to be. Um, yes, and you're right. far less defensive because you can really say, "I know, you know, and I'm sorry, but um, you know, I I realize I behave this way, and that was it's really hard for me when you do this or whatever." Um, that again, that I think that earned security also can mean that you really have accepted yourself and some of your limitations from an attachment perspective.
1: Yeah, I really like how you're you're saying that and that because. Um you know, first of all, I think even when we've done a lot of our own work in psychotherapy, under stress, uh, we, we can go back into those patterns um, okay. that are so well-worn in our neuropathways. Okay. Um, and not only that, which I, I think this is also so interesting, even in the secure classification on the AAI, not earn secure, but secure, You can be prototypical secure, straight up secure, or you can be or. secure, but you lean a little towards preoccupied or you lean a little towards suppression of emotion. Um, in the AI training, I'm sure they emphasize to you, you know, getting people through the main gate, the big yes. attachment classification. Yes. So in that saying that even if you're secure, you can have, especially under stress or woven into your personality, into your internal working model, some tendencies, some tendencies, this way. And I just try to, I I like to try to emphasize so much that um, this is adaptive. This is part of all of us in different degrees so as to not pathologize certain classifications so i hope you don't mind me having to leap in on some of those points
2: no not at all karen yeah thanks because i do talk about that you know that typically we do have a primary yes you do. categories but you know we can have traits of secondary attachment or certainly traits of the other types of attachment right so yes, yes. Uh, yeah, i i uh, do talk about that and mm-hmm. um, so yeah thank you for mentioning that that's very helpful yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then the third category that I do talk about is um, unresolved mm. and I am very sensitive in talking about that because it is people usually who have experienced trauma um, and that was the only area that I really felt a little more concerned about uh, a self-help model right so I really try and emphasize that if you really do uh, have experienced trauma or that unresolved category. Cause it's not just the experience of trauma, it's the lack of resolution about it, mm-hmm. um, that you really should much more seriously think about or consider going into therapy. So, um, so I think that's the chapter that I focus a little more on that, but I still, again, you know, help people try and understand if they have an unresolved attachment and what that might appear. Um, in their, how that might appear in their relationship. So, yes. um, but that's, yeah, that is the one category that, um, I think people, if they find themselves in that category, really need to think about, um, psychotherapy.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course,
2: I do talk about, you know, the other, other concepts. Um, yes. You know, um, rupture and repair. and Yeah. Sharing. So
1: I was so happy to see that in the book. It's a, it's such a the, – the idea of rupture and repair, it's such a um, hopeful thing to share. So I would love if you could talk about how you write about that in your book a bit.
2: Well, I actually – Came to. I mean, it's not. It's not an original concept, obviously. But one of the things in my training of professionals that I would talk about is sort of people's conflicts in, in their relationships and how some people become much more anxious of conflict, and other people really understand that that conflict is about an issue. Um, and people, you know, are often very honest in my trainings and will um, be able to acknowledge that you know that conflict is very difficult for them partly because um, you know when there is that rupture the belief is the rupture will be permanent that somehow they won't be able to resolve and come back together so um, so I think that's a really important concept for adults um, because, you know, if you're feeling that when you have, are in a conflict, an argument with your spouse, your children, that it creates such anxiety and you think this is going to be the end of the relationship, it probably is because as a child you didn't experience the repair um, of that rupture in the relationship. And again, this makes such great sense to me, and it makes, I hope, you know, again, sense when people begin to understand that uh, when we are angry at our children, when we're angry at our partner and our spouse, yes, we don't feel love for them in that moment. Um, But this will get, it can get resolved, it will get resolved, and you can, again. Reclaim attachment. So I think that's really an important concept. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. I do, because I think that sometimes um, in romantic relationships, yes, but I think especially as parents begin to be exposed to this kind of information. therapist i always say you know attachment theory is going to make you a neurotic parent i mean you know you start thinking oh no i did this wrong oh no i did that wrong oh no and so the idea that yes there there there's going to be more times where there's rupture than when there's attunement But the idea is that we go back and repair and i that is the saving grace, so to speak, that, that we can do that. And and we still, you know, hope to have attuned interactions also, of course. But just knowing that you don't have to be 100% perfect, as, as Winnicott said, and I think many of us latch on to his concept, the good enough parent, well, that's right. Exactly. And in fact, when I give my
2: trainings to professionals, I always have to remind them because I've had the experience where people have come to me and have said, oh my God, I really need to see you because I, what I, I, I see now I'm not 100% consistent with my child. So absolutely, there is that important concept that it is to be a good enough parent that you know, none of us can be 100% consistently available, right? But I just think that that's a really important concept. Yes, for, I'm, I'm so happy to see yeah. that you covered that yeah. in the book. It was terrific. Yeah. And then the concept of shame, which, again, I mean, um, is becomes internalized as part of, again, your self-perception as an adult. And so I think it's, it's important to understand how that Um, influences us or affects us as adults if again that did not get resolved uh, when we were children and again it's partly related to when you don't have that the repair that children and we see this a lot with adoptive kids just remain really feeling that they are terrible children terrible human beings And we'll do anything to avoid that feeling that is such a devastating feeling that, you know, what we began to understand certainly with adoptive children, that just to avoid that feeling, children will lie, you know, deny, externalize blame, right? And that continues into adulthood. Um, And that's really just a means of deflecting from that horrible feeling of being a bad human being. Um, so I think that was also a really an important concept for adults to understand um, and, and again that if you have that unresolved how important that is to understand that and to try and work that out and again I you know with most of the chapters I really give some exercises to do yes I
1: appreciated that <laughs>
2: Yeah. So that, and again, that's that was challenging because, again, nor do I want to, you know, create this illusion that all you have to do is my exercises and you will emerge you know, <laughs> resolved and a secure human being, right? So yes,
1: but it, but you wanted to give something tangible for I mean, people, not yeah. just theoretical. So again, yeah. I understand your dilemma um, there. Yeah, and it's but, important. It's important yeah, to have something that someone could hold on to or something that they could practice or try or write yeah. about or yeah.
2: And I I try to emphasize fairly regularly that, you know, these exercises, again, are not a substitute for psychotherapy or, you know, understanding yourself in a more in-depth way and, you know, working at a deeper level. So um, I sort of felt that I had to emphasize that throughout the book. Yes, Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But still, so, you know, I So I'm sure possible. you had that feeling. Uh, I'm I'm you know, looking over the book. Uh it- Changing your attachment category in chapter seven. I'm, I'm sure, you know, everyone's like, oh, good. Let's just read this chapter. And, you know, if I'm not secure, I can change it. But, of course, we know it's yeah. not that simple. Just do these exercises and emerge, you know, as a secure adult? So, but, but why don't you share, I think listeners would appreciate, you know, I know we're getting ready to wind down here, but do you have a, a case study um, or a compilation of case studies? We don't want to... Reveal any identifying information of, of how you did see this information allow a client to move towards security that they, they did change you know right. um, yeah. I always think it's inspiring to hear those case studies like that is there anything that comes to mind that you'd want to share related to that well
2: I have an interesting case and this was uh, an unusual one because uh, it was a gentleman that came to me having read, I don't know if you remember Robert Cairns.
1: Of know, course. An
2: article in the Atlantic. So oh, I thought you
1: were going to say his book, but no, yes. it was an article he wrote many years ago. Yes. It's like a seminal article and
2: book. Yes. I just love it. That this gentleman came to me saying that his brother had said, you have to read this article that he had discovered years, I think, later after yes. it was written and he and he said to me i you know i think that i am like avoidantly attached but you know and, and so he he discovered he went on you know online and was looking for an attachment focused psychotherapist and my name popped up and he came Yes. And i mean even though he understood that he fit into that category um, you know, he still was struggling in his relationship with his wife, and he had a child, and so we began, you know, to really work together um, in, again, you know, in psychotherapy where um, he began to really deal with it, you know, and this was, again, something I talk about in pretty much every category to, if you're going to change, is to mourn. Yes. And so he was still deeply longing for this relationship with his father who lived in another country um, mm. and he really had to go through a very painful process one to recognize uh, even though he was in you know so angry at his father and shut down and had distanced himself and refused to go visit him refused um, to have anything to do with him that he still had this deep longing so uh, you know we spent some time um, really dealing with the sad Sadness of what he had not received as a child and he had and parents had really been very very detached father in particular um, and then he began to look at pat his patterns in in relationships and had deep regret about like a, a girlfriend he'd had at university because he had been again so detached and felt that just by visiting her on occasion that was certainly enough to really continue this relationship <laughs> right um, so, you know, it was a lot of pain that he had to go through in order to kind of emerge to say, you know, I really understand that. And, and then we began to really, again, do some behavioral change that he had to work at um, doing something differently in his relationship with his um, with his wife. Um, now, what was really striking about that, and this this is, so I, I really wish I could give full credit to me in helping this man, but his daughter actually was probably more effective because what he experienced when he had this child is unconditional love that he had not had in his life. So, uh, he said to me, you know, when my because initially when, when his daughter was an infant, he really didn't have much closeness. When his daughter became a toddler and he'd come home, she would just run to him with this exquisite joy, just because it was him, right? And so he began to talk about really recognizing that experience of unconditional love that he did not have from his parents. Um, So this man emerged partly because he really understood his attachment category. He began to really look at the patterns in his life. He really mourned for what he longed for, never had, and certainly never going to have, and then could really begin to use that that knowledge and being in touch with his feelings to change his relationships right so it was you know one of those lovely cases that kind of yes you know yes. emerge so um, it
1: reminds me of um i can't remember who who writes about it um but uh the Sometimes our children can become a big motivator for change, even when we yeah. could not maybe change for our, ourselves. Um, once we have children, we can be motivated to change for them. And so I think this is an interesting other side of it, yeah. you know, that that the experience of this child changed him. And it also reminds me of um, – and Jernberg in the very first TheraPlay book that came out, in I guess in the seventies, talking about one of the children they worked with at the Head Start, and no parent involvement at that time with therapy. That's not how it was delivered. Um, right. And the the father of one this girl that they later then interviewed said. He changed how he felt about her because of how she was reacting to him because of her experience right. in therapy. Right. And so yeah. she sort of brought him along in some way. Um fascinating, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, you know, this has just been such an enriching interesting conversation in that, and that. I appreciate so much having you on the podcast and um, I would like to allow a little time for you to let people know where to find you and where to find your book. um, And if they would like to contact you for training and I know you're in Canada. So just share, share, give give us a commercial on all your great stuff you have there for us. Okay. Well, thanks Karen. Yes. So of course
2: the book is called it's attachment um, and it's available from The publisher, which is Guernica, G-U-E-R-I-C-A, Guernica Editions. It's also available from a bookstore here called Caversham. And it is now available on Amazon um, just from May the 1st. So I'm pleased about that. Yes. And I, um, you can find me on my website, um, uh, AnnetteCustomTherapy.com, and my Facebook page, which is Annette Custom Therapy Consultation Training. Um, but probably the best would be my website because, uh, all of the, um, trainings that I offer are listed there. Although of course they've all been canceled. Oh, I know. <laughs> this is such a mess.
1: Oh my. It's my like... book
2: launch was canceled. So, Aww. but if you, again, if you go on either the Guernica website or mine, I actually, uh, have a video of me presenting the book. So it's only about four minutes, but it will at least help you understand a little bit about the book. Lovely. Um, And then, of course, I do offer uh, therapy and uh, training and uh, supervision to many professionals Mm -hmm. as well. So wonderful um, your books. And again, even though I'm located in Toronto, of course, in this day and age, we I can offer I offer supervision actually to people who, primarily in Canada, but from all over Canada. So
1: yeah, um, I did uh, want to mention that I know you have many endorsements, but I also saw an endorsement from Dan Hughes for your book. So that's Lovely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Dan Hughes
2: was just lovely. He really supported the book, and there's a great blurb on the back oh, from, good. Him, well, thank from you and so from Mother Pair. Yeah. Well
1: thank, so well, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank
2: you so much for having me, Karen. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site tkcchattock.org or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.